Hey guys, it's Morgan here. I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. Like always, I am joined by my husband and co-host, Josiah. Josiah, how you doing? How you feeling? I'm excited. I'm doing well. Life is good. It's a great day. Well, if you can't tell, he always has a smile on his face. So he's excited to be here. We are excited to introduce our special guest today. And I don't want to hog any of that time, Josiah, because this is a very special guest that you admire, that I admire, that we've seen from afar and we've seen up close. So why don't you let the listener in on who that special person is today? Well, we've done three seasons of this podcast now, and we decided to do a mini series called Impact. And people who've impacted my life, people who've impacted your life, Micah, and people who can impact the world and the nation and a generation and really the listener. Mm -hmm. And so a decade ago, if you can think of this, it's 2020. In 2010, I was called to ministry at Lake Geneva camp in Minnesota, Alexandria, Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And this guest was speaking that night. He played his saxophone. He preached the gospel. And it's a great soprano saxophone player. So there's only two options. It's either Kenny G or Reggie D. And it's Reggie Dabbs <laughs> in the house. And Reggie and his wife make their home in Fort Myers, South Florida. His mm. wife, Michelle, their son, Dominic. And Reggie's mission is super clear, laser focused on reaching today's students and young people. He has been for decades, one of the most sought after public school and event speakers in the US and around the world and continues to be today. I've seen him preach at a camp, a a college, a public school, a church, and from professional athletes to stay at home moms to high school students, Reggie is amazing. He speaks to millions Mm -hmm. of people per year. If he wasn't speaking, he'd play the saxophone full time He's written books like, you can't change your past, but you can change your future and just keep breathing. So Reggie, welcome to the show. Thanks for spending time with us today. It is so good to be with you guys. Thank you for inviting me. And all I have right now is time on my hands. So it's good. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I love how Josiah segued right into Reggie D instead of Kenny G. So, and he's a saxophone player himself, Josiah. So he's a big fan. So you must have caught his attention in his ears and eyes in 2010 when you hit that stage with that saxophone, Reggie. But we are so thrilled to have you. We're so thrilled to share with the audience what God has done in your life and how you have shared your testimony, what God has done and how just God's faithfulness through, through any and all things. So we're going to kick things off. And Reggie, we're going to start by having you share your story. Can you just let us in on where you've come from, what God's done, what you're doing, where you're going, however you want to answer that. You go right ahead. We have all the time in the world, remember? (laughs) Well, we're good. I'll just give you the the 30-second thing because it's crazy how when you end up in where God wants you to be, somehow it's connected to who you were before you even met him. It's Mm -hmm. almost as if it's a, it's a, God has a road that we don't even see coming. You know, sometimes like when the people of Israel got to the Red Sea, They saw no way around that, no way across that because there was an army coming after them. But God had made a road before any of that even happened. And we need to know that no matter what we go through, God has a road that we don't even see. 
So when I was born, my mom gave me away. She said I was a mistake and she wished I'd never been born. But she gave me away to her favorite teacher at school. So I was raised by my mom's English teacher, whose husband was the high school janitor. Fast forward to now. I speak to one million public school students all around the world every year. And some say I'm the best at it, but it all comes from where I was. My biggest pain became my biggest triumph because I ended up giving it to Jesus. It all doesn't matter where your road goes or where it's from, but if you let God be the pilot or let him be the driver, you're going to get to where he wants you to be, and it'll be the happiest place you ever have. So growing up where my mom wanted to give, gave me away, and I grew up in foster care my whole life, went through the whole thing of if your own mom don't want you, you don't deserve to live. But you got to understand, at 12 years old, when I wanted to give up on the gift of life, that school janitor slept by my bedroom door for three nights in a row. And on that third morning at 3 a.m., heard me cry, walked in my room, and he said, I'm here right now because I slept at your door the past two nights because you've been so sad. And I want you to know you thought you were alone, but I've been right outside the door. And then he said in, in Romans chapter 10, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open the door, I'll come in. So he literally was my Jesus. So I got to see Jesus with skin on in the, in the body of a school janitor. And all that stuff made it to where now I want to be Jesus with skin on as a public school speaker, as a convention speaker, as a church guest speaker, I, on the airplane, in the grocery store. That one, one, one time, three days before Halloween, I bought a kid a Halloween costume, a Batman costume, because he told his mom he wanted one, but she said, we ain't got that money, huh? And he goes, I know we poor. But guess what? I had the money that day. So in everything I do, I want to be... I want to help somebody. I want to show somebody love and kindness, which will eventually end them up in knowing Jesus. So that's, in a nutshell, who I was, and it's who I am. It's amazing and infectious to see when Jesus touches our lives, it can be the darkest night, and he turns it into the brightest day. And the transformation that you've experienced is I've tasted darkness, I've tasted despair, I've tasted hopelessness, and so have you, and you've come out on the other side. So I'd ask you, Reggie, what motivates you, what drives you to keep going, and why do you love sharing hope with the hopeless? Well, I think it's that somebody gave me hope. I used to always ask the teacher who raised me and her husband both, why did you take me? Why did you take me? Now, looking back, you know, look at all the things I've done, all the places I've been. Of course, everybody goes, oh, you want a kid like that. I wasn't that kid when they took me in. I wasn't that kid when I was growing up. And they saw something that I didn't. And I would say, why'd you take me in? Why'd you do this for me? And all they would say was, because I can't. Mm -hmm. Why did you love me? Because I can't. Why am I in your home? Because we can't. And I just want to live my life because I can't. I, I want to be that guy. I want to be in the right place at the right time to show mercy, hope, and grace, and and, and love. I want to be. I want to be the hero in the, in the story. I want to be that guy. And I don't know where it came from, but hey, I'm old now. I'm 56. I ain't got no shame. I'm good though, cause black don't crack. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> all right. but, it's all right, but but it's all right. Hey, Josiah, you white chocolate. You know what I'm saying? All yeah. right. I turned the purple sunscreen on, cause. <laughs> But you know, what happens. <laughs> we get to choose our path in that way, in that way. We get to see all the things. When you're young, people come up and do things and say things. But the older you get, you remember everything that they did to you. Then you got to start asking your question, how do I want to be remembered? 
And I got to learn that at a young age. And this is how I wanted to be remembered. So that's how it happened. I just, I want to be that hero. I wanted to be that guy. Absolutely love that. Reggie, I'm reminded of the lyrics from a song that Stephanie Gretzinger sings. Or, or no, Amanda Cook. It's Amanda Cook. And it's something that I think a lot of people talking about their past and their present and their future. And, and the lyrics are, um, what the enemy meant to crush you with is the wave of grace that is going to lift you higher. Oh, that's good. And I just, I just reflect on that quite often because when the enemy catches us in our past or tries to hold us in the past or the lies or we're stuck in the present and we don't know how we're going to get to that, you know, the other side of, you know, the ocean or the sea or is God going to come and he's, is he really going to split the sea for me? Is he really going to make a way where there seems to be no way? Am I going to overcome these thoughts or, you know, these pitfalls and just all these different things that many leaders and um, young adults are facing college students. And one thing that I would just ask you or that you've said several times that you can't change your past, but you can change your future. Right. And for those who are still maybe healing from their past or maybe currently struggling in the present, how can you be confident on holding on to that hope when they're walking through that? The confidence comes in, in letting somebody else be the author of your book. You know, you can only write so much and you can only take it so far. And sometimes you're in that chapter that hurts really bad, so bad that you drop the pen and you don't even want to pick it up again. But that's when in every person's life, they have to give the pen to someone else. And, and me, and of course, it's Jesus, you know, he's the author and the finisher of my faith. And, some, and that day will come. And then you look back, even after you say, Jesus, write my book, write my book. So many times, instead of turning the page to the left, we go back to the right. And wow. we can't go back. You can't go back to yesterday. You got to turn the page. And you know what? If you live long enough and stay in it long enough, you'll understand why that river was there, why that sorrow was there, why it was there. Today, to be honest with you, I'm this morning I got a, a, an email. Good, good friend of mine, Cy Rogers, mm -hmm. yep. passed away this morning. And, uh, and that's just crushing to me. But he looked at me and he says, the one thing that connects my life and my past with Reggie, and he was looking at me eye to eye, he says, we never let our past dictate what our tomorrow's going to be. Wow. And then on a day that I'm remembering, Cy, I'll say to every young adult, we all have things in our past that we wish hadn't happened. And you know what? There's one word that could change everything. It changed everything. Everybody always says, why me, why me, why me? Why don't you put a not after why and before me? And you're going to start realizing the, the capability God will have in your future. Why not you? Why not you be successful? Why not you be the man? Why not you be the woman? Why not you be happy? Why not you be sober? Why not you be healed? Why not you be successful? Why not you? Train yourself to think that way because it's the truth. Because if you could think it, it could be a reality. I think that our thoughts are so magnetic. They're powerful. We choose what we think is exactly what you're saying. And the alternative, the positive thinking is negative thinking. We just don't want to go there. And I think that with our faith, many people believe in this big, great God who's vast and all powerful and he's amazing, but it's different to believe in God and believe in yourself. 
And so what would you say to a listener who somehow found this and they believe in God? Like, yeah, he's great. He can do anything. I just don't believe in myself. What would you say to them, Reggie? Well, it's a process. It's something you have to do. When I got to college, on the corner of my mirror in my, in my dorm room, it, 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 I just put, I can't. And, and it, was a, it was a preacher who taught me that. And if you can't believe it, you'll never, ever be able to achieve it. So you got you to gotta write, I can. And you, even with all the thoughts of what, who you were, what you've done, where you've been, what happened, even the memories, the smell, the song, the stuff that takes you back to that awful moment, to still have, I can. And to get up every day, I can. And you know what? I can't, I cannot go back and tell you what day I really started believing that. People look at me today and they go, dude, of course, yeah, yeah, I could see that. I could see you, the speaker. I could see that. I could see that. But I have, I was adopted into a family with five brothers and two sisters, and they knew I never said a word. I was the quietest kid. You didn't even know when I came home from school because I came in, went to my room, shut the door, did my homework. That's what I did. And I fell asleep. You know, I was very, no one called the house and asked for me. No one, they didn't have to wonder where I was. Nobody knocked on the door and says, can Reggie come out and play? I had friends. I did go out and play ball in the neighborhood and stuff, but I wasn't wide open. I wasn't, but something clicked inside. And I, and I remember thinking to myself, it was a, I was in high school. And it was homeroom. And every morning for 20 minutes, we had homeroom. Then we went to first period. There was a girl in homeroom who started to cry. And no one ever showed that kind of emotion in school, in my life. I've never, I've seen kids get hurt and cry, but not sitting in class first thing in the morning, bell rang, teacher takes attendance, and a girl named Lisa started to cry. And she cried so hard, I turned around and said, Lisa, what's wrong? And no one else said nothing. And she looked up and she said, my dad left. He's not coming back. I don't know what to do. And I said, hold on. I know what to do. And I got up, went up to the teacher, and I said, hey, mom, Lisa's having a hard time. My mom was my homeroom teacher that year. Wow. <laughs> because here's the deal. You know, you may not have the answer, but you know somebody who does. You may not have the everything together, but we know who does. And all we have to do is simply realize that this is a journey. It's not a sprint. It's not a hundred yard dash. It's the longest race we've ever been in. And we just got to take our time and go and not be afraid to look left and right while we're running this race. Because together we're going to get there. That, and that's what's cool about the coronavirus that I love. Dude, it is teaching us empathy and compassion. It is teaching us to get our mind. We've been so self-driven. Got to do it. Got to do it. Got to go. Dude, in my world, I travel 300 days a year. Wow. So I'm home 50. Right now, I'm supposed to be on my way back from Australia. I would have already done Planet Shakers Conference. I would have already done Kingdom City. I would have done all these things. And I'd be home for a week and a half. Then I go back again. I go to Kingdom of Tonga. Then I go to New Zealand. Then I go to Indonesia. And all of those things for the next have been wiped out. My next public speaking event is at the end of June. Wow. Literally. And it, and, it, and it got canceled. It was supposed to be forward conference. And that's 13,000 kids, but it ain't going to happen this year. So if we hang our stuff on stuff we do, that can be taken away. Well, how can you still be happy when you have nothing to do? I don't find my joy in what I do. I find my joy in who I serve, and I serve the Lord and people. And you can still do that. Hopefully that answered your question. 
Oh, it does, oh, yeah. Reggie, because I think that James, the brother of Jesus or half brother of Jesus, he writes this thing. He says, don't take a vow. Don't say tomorrow we'll do this or next week yeah. we'll go here. And I haven't lived like that. I got to be honest. I make plans for today, tomorrow, next year, next decade. I, I'm a planner. I'm a dreamer. I'm a doer. And I feel like God's telling me in this moment of coronavirus, one day at a time, mm -hmm. just Absolutely. one day at a time, one step at a time. And that's spot on. Like we know the person on this journey is Jesus who's going to get us through. Yeah, I think it's just a perfect illustration of, I love your positivity, even in the midst of all of this, that it's, we're going back to the heart of Christ. We're going back to not why do we do what we do, but why do we serve the one we love? And how are we serving the one we love? Even when our, you know, families are states apart, when our speaking engagements are across the world, when our, you know, our, our, our target runs <laughs> seem to be ju just a, uh, you know, that, that was a weekly ordeal, you know, and now it's just like, it's a process, you know, yeah. just to even go shopping and get groceries and just to be reminded that, that God is faithful, that God is doing something wonderful and beautiful. And he's taking us back to the heart of Christ and back to our first love and reminding us of so many different things. And I know, um, Reggie, that you have spoken not only to many students, but also many leaders are impacted by um, what God has done in your life and how you um, present the gospel and how you speak truth. And so we're going to kind of kind of shift into leaders or leadership. And okay. one thing that I want to ask you is what pitfalls do you see in young adult leaders um, falling? Like what pitfalls are young adult leaders falling into today? Is there a theme that you're kind of seeing across the board? Well, I don't, I don't know. I guess it could be a pitfall, but um, it, it could be a good and a bad thing. Cause when I was a young adult, you know, everybody just, let's do this, let's go. But not the young adult leaders now are perfections. I mean, they got every T crossed, every I dotted. I mean, it's like, boom. But sometimes it doesn't meet, the end result don't meet up to what we plan. And sometimes we get really discouraged. And I see a lot of young guys get discouraged. Oh, it didn't go the way I wanted to. I could have done better. When we don't know the end result, only God does. We don't know who was touched. Only he does. And what we have to do is, yeah, be diligent. You guys are great at that. And I say you guys, but y'all really young, y'all young. You guys are great at planning, getting it together. Let's do this. Let's do this. But you know, a lot of times we're number driven and our, our society, our young adults are really number driven. But you have to be willing to put that aside and go, let's reach our heart. What if God does one thing to reach one person? And the greatest example of that is when all this started weeks ago, I was, uh, I was in Arkansas doing schools the second week of March. I flew to Tennessee, to Nashville, Tennessee. I was speaking to the Tennessee Volunteers basketball team before they played Alabama. Then I was doing Kentucky because it was the Southeastern Conference Tournament. I spoke, and right when I got done, the head coach stepped out, and when he came back in, he goes, Reggie, I need you to help me. This is going to be difficult. He had to tell the team, and dude, they're dressed. They got the warm-ups, pre-game warm-ups about to start. He goes, there's no game. They canceled the Southeastern Conference tournament. Now, Tennessee was on the bubble to get, in, to get into the tournament, the big tournament, the, the big dance, March Madness, and wow. all of that in one moment was gone. It was just gone. So now that's one thing. And so I'm sitting there, and then I, I had already spoke. So what I said flowed right into the coach saying, this is who we are. This is what we do. But when I got on the plane that afternoon and went home, I woke up Thursday. Friday morning 
with the worst sore throat I had ever had in my entire life. And all I heard on the news that morning was, if you got a sore throat, you got the corona. You're going to die. And I'm like, I got the corona. I'm going to, I'm freaking out. I've never done that before. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to die. And literally, as soon as it started to overtake me, this thought came in my mind. And it was Isaiah 41. It says, it says, it says do not grieve, do not be dismayed, for I am the Lord your God. And he's greater than any coronavirus. And I had to just sit down. I closed my eyes and I started thinking, okay, on Wednesday, I did seven schools. Four of them didn't even have a sound system. That's why I have a sore throat. And yep. I'm like, what is wrong with me? And we <laughs> do that. Now, fast forward a week and a half. A week and a half later, I'm on a Zoom youth group meeting where the youth pastor emailed me and says, I know it's a long shot, but some of my kids are freaking out. And I was wondering if you do a Zoom youth, Zoom youth group. I said, yeah, let's do it. So we're on Zoom. And I told that story. And this mom comes in on her little screen. And she goes, listen to me. I don't know what you've been talking about. But my daughter just came out of her bedroom for the first time in two weeks and said, OK, I'm all right. God's got me. If God's going to take care of Reggie, he's going to take care of me. So would God give me a sore throat the day after the coronavirus shutdown hits? so that I can have the same mentality of a little girl in South Carolina so that she can know that there's hope. Yes, yes he will and yes he does. What we have to do as leaders, young leaders is this, the word of God will not come back void. Your life will not come back void. Whatever you're leading, even if it's in the secular realm, Go for it because it will not come back void. It will end up helping someone. So don't worry about the, what you see. You handle what you handle and then give the rest to God. That's the only downfall. And then young people, they get down on themselves. Well, I'm stupid. I'm not good enough. Well, then they go back into this hole that they never would have went in. They should have kept pushing through, pushing through because that's what God does. So I will say to you young leaders, do what you can do. Leave the rest to God. And when we get to eternity, we'll see what that day was really all about. That's good. Reggie, that's amazing. And <clears throat> you had mentioned how sometimes we focus on us and we focus on our situations or our results or what's up to us. And my question is, when I have moments like that, I act as if sometimes, and this is a failure of mine, as if it were up to me in the first place when it's not. And so my question for you is, how has God helped you overcome moments like that where maybe the glory belongs to him in through your story and, and not the story doesn't get the glory. You don't get the glory, but how do you focus on glorifying God in the process and not becoming prideful, not becoming de depressed, but mm -hmm. in the process, glorifying God, not the story, not the problem. It, it, every day is a day to, to get a big head. <laughs> <laughs> so what I do with a lot of things, I've surrounded myself with people who don't believe my press release. I have a wife who doesn't believe. Hey, in the world, I'm Reggie, but at home, I'm taking out the trash. I mean, like when we're done, the trash man has just gone by. I'm going to bring the green bin back to the other side of the house because that's what I do. And, you know, and I have friends who don't believe the press releases. You can surround yourself when you're young because the guys who I really depend on now are guys I met when I was 20, 25, 19, 18 years old. They're the youth pastors that I had when I was younger. And these are the guys that you come back to. But when old guys start seeing young guys push us away, that's the first sign that we know something's wrong with you. 
So I've just let you young people know. And you know what? When you hang around those old guys, God puts something in them, in you, to make you know that you can't hide from them. They're going to find out the truth. But you need to surround yourself with people like that. And do and I, some of you guys, I know you married pretty girls, got the other, but you need a smart girl because behind every successful dude is an incredible woman, for sure, for sure. So you got to watch all that stuff. Watch who you hang around. Have your friend list short and have it significant. You may not like what they say sometimes, but have a friend who's willing to say it anyway to you. You have to surround yourself with those because that's what makes it work. That's what makes it work. That's why it's a family thing. The Bible calls the church a family, and that's what it is. It's a family thing. That's so good. Reggie, speaking of family, how have you throughout the years been able to manage your family time as a husband, as a dad, your alone time from prepping, from being on the road, flying, traveling, everything going on there, but then also stewarding the ministry that God has given you? What would you say to a leader in the room who maybe hasn't, I don't want to say mastered that, but doesn't even know how to begin. How have you been able to process that or get a grip on that throughout the years? Any uh, insight? There, there, you listen. You have to listen. You have to listen to the voices that are close to you. You listen to your wife. You listen. You, you, may, not, you may pretend you didn't hear her, but you really listen. And in time, she'll see you changing. That means she knows that you know you heard what you said, <laughs> all right? You just listen. You listen to your friend. You, you see these things. And you know what? If you're in a large room, walk slow. Because even if you're not the main person in the room, you if you listen with your eyes, you can see the kind of person you want to be tomorrow and the kind of person you don't want to be tomorrow. Uh, I walk in a room very slow. And if anybody's talking to me, that's cool. But if a kid comes up and talks to me, they're the most important. So I will literally, I've had, I had one time, and there's a guy, he's very, very, very well known. And he goes, I remember Reggie put me in my spot because we had preached at his church. And uh, his kid came up and he goes, dad, 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 dad. And he goes, son, I'm talking to someone important. And I went, no, 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 buddy, talk to your dad. I'll wait because you're important. And this kid never ever let his daddy forget that uncle reggie said he important and this dad goes i'll never forget that and ever since that day i take time and i still i'll be honest with you at about 4 30 my time 3 30 your time my phone will ring because my son gets off work he's an airline mechanic works in tulsa oklahoma makes really good money but on his drive home he calls mom and dad and if i don't pick up my wife, he'll call my wife next. Why? Because we've stored that in his life from the beginning that he can uh, spend time with us, call us, and that's important. But you got to do that because when you're young and you see all these other people, God will put you around people so that you can figure out what you're going to be when you're that age. So if you learn that now, especially if you're in your 20s, you're, you're a young adult, do pattern your life, figure out how do I want to do this? What do I want to be known? When the room, when I leave a room, what do I want them to say? So you got to, okay, so what do you want them to say? So now, what are you going to do in the room so that they'll say that? That's great. That's beautiful. I'll never forget this <laughs> one time. I think you were speaking at the church I grew up at, and your son actually called in the middle of the service. I think it was like a youth group or something. And you're like, hey, everybody, I just want to show you something. When my son calls, I pick it up. And so you just had the microphone on and you're like, Hey son, how you doing? And it was so cool. Like, I'll never forget that, that 
you modeled it to this young boy as Uncle Reggie, mm -hmm. like, hey, talk to your dad, that's important. And you modeled it to your son of, hey, I could be preaching, but if you call, I'm going to pick up. And I, I never forgot that because I think that that was as significant as the message you preached that night mm -hmm. was also the message that you lived. And, and then, you know what you just did? You just answered the, what I said, and which is cool because it, it takes us down. Everybody's watching going, holy smokes. I'm sure Reggie didn't remember that his son called that night, but you did. And, and it is what it's, this is who we are. This is what we do. And there's been times where I've done the opposite, where I've had my mind a million different directions and I did something or maybe said something and I get in the car and my wife goes, why were you short to that person? I'm like, oh snap, I was short to someone. She goes, I know, but you need to know you cannot be like that. You got to take care of people. And I'm like, okay. But I did, again, listening to my wife. You know, I could have been like, well, you don't know what it's like to travel around the world. Uh-uh, no. And plus, I ain't going to do that because she's Puerto Rican and she'll kill me in my sleep. And I don't <laughs> want to have that happen. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no. But literally, she's the smartest. She comes up with ideas. Like, I just recently did, um, and I can send these to you. I did five 10-minute devotionals since I've been off the corona thing. Love and it. you send me, text me your email address. And I'll send them to you and you can just put them out there for people to watch. But like yeah. stuff like that, she's helped me like, cause she sees stuff I don't see. And she helped me do all that stuff. And, uh, and it was really, it's really fun. So I started out with five of them. And if I keep on, I might do some more, but it's, it's really fun. That's amazing. All right, Reggie, we've come to the part of our little segment where we have five questions in five minutes. Okay, so these got, are your final thoughts. Okay, he's, he's warming up his vocal. Right. Five questions in five minutes. Yes, so you have 60 seconds for each question. How do you feel about that? Can you do it? Absolutely. All I right. I could probably do it less, but that's good. You can go less if you want. Okay. But Reggie, here you go. Number one, if you could describe yourself in three words, what would they be? Modern day Martin Luther, oh, Martin Luther King. Bingo, dang, that was three seconds he took. Okay, go. Number two. <laughs> I love it. Question two out of five. Um, talk for a minute about dreams and visions. A lot of listeners have a dream of something in the future. They see beyond the now, but they're here today. Where do they start? Here's what you do. You got to remember the cake process, all right? Let me explain. If you go to the store and get Betty Crocker and look on the back, it'll have the instructions on how to make that cake. If you follow those directions, you will have a cake. But if you try to substitute something, you will not have a cake. When we were growing up, me and my brother made my mom a cake for her birthday. And guess what? We didn't have milk, but we had great Kool-Aid. And I'll tell you right now, if you substitute milk and great Kool-Aid, it ain't gonna work out. So here's what you do. God will give you a dream from your future if you serve him today. Every step of that means it's a process. So follow the instructions that the Bible has and your dreams that he gives you will come true because God will never give you a dream that he ain't willing to make become a reality. That's amazing, cake. All right, Reggie, we're gonna, we're gonna flip this around. If you could ask Josiah and myself one question today, what would it be? When your son turns 20, what is the number one thing he needs to say about you? Oh, I said, son, what if that happens? What if it does? Is that prophetic? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I just there's some people out. that catch themselves. I say they, and they're like, what, you're having two? And I go, no, baby K, they. They're like, is there more than one? I'm like, no. <laughs> All right, there it is. Wow. 
oh man, I'm That's like, wracking. my heart started a race when you said that. I'm not sure if it was the question or the, the sun part. So mm. baby K for us, I think that success for us as a parent, I think would be is if they knew that I was the same person at home as I was at the grocery store, as I was at church or on a college campus, wherever we go, yeah, that's my dad. And, and I think for us, for me, for my life, I think that that would be the definition of success is at age 20, 20 years from now. So 2040 is if that's what they said. Holy cow. Very similar to what I would say. So I'll change mine a little bit. I would say to know that we are a safe place to process anything, no matter what age and stage of life that they are in and going through, that we are, we are going to be the hands and feet of Christ and we're going to love them where they're at. And hopefully we have demonstrated that in our home enough for them to know come hell or high water, mom and dad are there. Mm -hmm. They are, they're grounded in the word. They are functioning in the spirit. So I would say that to know that we are parents that have open ears and hearts, that we are spirit led, that we are the same person in and outside of our home and that we are, we are consistent and hopefully constant in our walk with the Lord. So that may change <laughs> that answer <laughs> as time goes on, but that was a great question. Whoa. Well, making me sweat. Question four out of five. Okay, Reggie, this is one of our favorite questions. We learn from other successes and others' failures. Is there any epic failure in life, leadership, mm. ministry, travel that you'd open us up in on so that we can learn from it? Um, just never give up. Never give up. Because there was a time where I almost gave up on all this. And if I had, it would have been horrible. But I had a wife who spoke into my life and made sure I didn't. And it was crazy because everything was up against me. Everything came against me. And I'm like, this is not it. This is crazy. I need to. But you know what? No, never, never, never. Winston Churchill, give up. Never give up. Because that's why England is England and Great Britain is Great Britain and London is London. Because one man helped a whole nation never give up. So that's true for us. Wow. All right, Reggie, final question. If we were to hand you the microphone today to a group of pastors and young adult ministry leaders, what would you leave them with today? Luke chapter 10, for sure, for sure. The Good Samaritan, because check it out. This dude gets beat up, not only beat up, but he gets beat naked, all right? Now there's one thing to get beat up, but if you let somebody beat you naked, you got toe up in your life, all right? <laughs> and he's on the side of the road. First guy walks by was the priest the dude that preaches in the church. And he passed on the other side of the road and didn't help him. The second was a Levite. Who is he? He's the worship pastor. He's the singer in the temple. He passed on the other side of the road. So the preacher didn't help him. The singer didn't help him. But then there's the Samaritan. I looked it up. The definition of a Samaritan is an average common man who rises above the bigotry and the circumstances of his world to do something great. I say to every pastor and every leader in this hard time that we're living in, that you would have a Samaritan step into your life. You notice I didn't say you be a Samaritan for someone else because you've done that your whole life. But I pray that God in this time would send you a Samaritan to help you with your wounds, to help you with your nakedness, to help you with your finances, to help you with your hope, and to help you get through this. That's what I would leave them with. It is going to be all right because God has a Samaritan for them. There's a mic drop right there if you heard it, everybody. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm just saying. 
<laughs> and you did it in less than five minutes, Red. Come on. Word. That's beautiful. Yeah. It happens. Out of all our guests, very few people listen to that part. No disrespect. Just people love to talk. We love to listen. Reggie, my gosh, I just want to say thank you for never giving up. Yeah. Thanks for always sharing hope. Thanks for pointing me to Jesus. Thank you for being a person who's impacted my life and a whole generation. Yeah. On behalf of a generation, I just want to smile, send a virtual handshake, send a virtual hug, and just say thank you because you've impacted my life. You've impacted our marriage mm -hmm. and this ministry of young adults today. And um, any final words? Hey, I'm proud of both of you. I'm proud of what you're doing. I know that this, we won't get known until you get to heaven, the, uh, the influence that you're having through your podcast and through what you're doing. So don't stop. Keep keeping on. And that, send me a message when the baby arrives, all right? All right, we will. I'm going to have to send some Tennessee volunteer and Dallas cowboy stuff, okay? Because that's just the way it's going to be, all right? <laughs> Uncle Reggie, I got this. Uncle Reggie got this. <laughs> Wow. I love it. Well, love you so day, guys. Love you guys. All right. Yes, take care. Take Thanks care. so much. Let me know. Okay. Call me. All right. We will. Love you. <laughs>Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast.